Welcome back to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. I'm your co-host. Still not quite used to saying that. Just kidding, Aaron. Aaron's left me by the wayside to do today's intro, but I am your host, Seth Macy. This is the Photographer Mindset Podcast. If you're first, if this is your first time listening, this is a show that won't teach you a ton about editing or how to noodle through Lightroom. Sometimes we touch on that stuff, but mostly we're interested in building the foundation of a healthy mindset because that's where it all starts. doesn't matter what you do for a living or what your dreams or aspirations are. You got to have a sound and strengthened mind with the proper attitudes to be able to get to where you want to go. So as always... If you find these episodes of value, feel free to uh, rate the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a review. That always means a lot to us. It helps other people find the show. Or if you're extra generous, uh, any value you feel you receive from these episodes, you can donate to our PayPal Donate, which the link is in the description of every episode. It helps us with the uh, distribution cost of the episode. But first, very first thing before we dive into today's episode, we talk about a lot of interesting stuff today, especially surrounding uh, what we can learn from kids. I know we've done that before. We're fortunate enough. Aaron has a uh, a young son that we're able to kind of take lessons from and, and apply to you know our adult lives because kids' brains are so plasticized and malleable. They think of complex things so simply. It's awesome to sometimes model that behavior for our own lives. But before we get into that, TPM artwork. And I must say, you guys, we're at 1,300 hashtag submissions for the TPM artwork. It's just incredible. So um, if you're not, follow that hashtag. We follow it. We check up on some of the awesome uh, photography that you guys are submitting. And it uh, the quality just increases every single time we check. So keep that up. But today's TPM artwork submission... And again, you can see that photo if you're listening on Spotify. It's today's artwork. Sorry, Apple Podcast users, but you can go on Instagram and see some of the TPM uh, past TPM artwork features if you would like to check that out. But today's is by JPEGs with Jerry, a nice mountain shot from Sedona, Arizona. Uh, very similar to Zion where we just were. We were fortunate enough to meet Jerry out there. Awesome guy. Very creative handle. JPEGs by Jerry. Aaron and I were chatting. We're not sure if he posts and only shoots in JPEG on like if, if or if he shoots raw. We So Jerry, let us know <laughs> if uh, you stay true to your handle, JPEGs by Jerry. But very awesome color grading, just the right amount of contrast, very beautifully done. And remember, if you want to hear your um, photo talked about and your handle mentioned and linked into the show, use the hashtag on your photos. You can go back to previous ones you've already posted and they'll still show up. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. I found out an interesting uh, fact. I think it was it on this podcast where we were talking about, I think I might have said it like if you're going to, if you want to continue to like eat meat, you should be theoretically okay with killing the animal yourself. Remember I said this? Yeah. With Brett. Just like, right? Yeah. Um, Mark Zuckerberg did that for a year. Did you know this? He killed all of his own food. Wow. Hmm. What do you think about that? Like he continued to eat meat, but every item of meat he ate was from an animal he personally killed. See, they're like beautiful or completely twisted and sick. I'm not sure. Right? I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I would share that with you. I don't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm Googling this to absolutely confirm it. Yeah. This is, we're, we're recording earlier this morning, so I'm fresh, but that was just, that was shocking to my system. I just Googled Mark Zuckerberg killed his own food. That was the weirdest Google of all time. Yeah, you're and definitely one he- flagged. <laughs> <laughs> one of the headlines from CNBC is Zuckerberg once set a personal challenge to only eat meat he had killed himself. Maybe this was a while ago then. <clears throat> and at one point offered to cook, <laughs> and at, uh, at one point killed a goat and served it to Jack Dorsey. <laughs> wow. And for people who don't know who Jack Dorsey is, that was the founder of Twitter. We get hmm. tech CEOs killing goats and feeding it to their competitors. <laughs> weird. This is started. We've started on a weird note today. You got to hook the people in. Yeah, I guess so. If you weren't paying attention, you are now. <laughs> yeah. I think this was from a while ago that he was he was killing his own food. Hmm. Do you well, think that guy is like as robotic as he is or do you think that's a personality he puts on when he's you know in front of 
judges and on TV and on blast. Like, do you think he's more normal or do you think he's like a lizard person? I don't know. I think I, I worry about anyone in such extreme power with money and control personally. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he's trying so hard not to misstep, you know, in front of a judge or in front of Congress or whatever. So who who knows what he's like behind closed doors, murdering his own food. Do you want to hear the quote from him? <clears throat> yeah. So I think this was, I don't know, the photo in this article is from 2011. So I, I don't know the date. People might know, but quote, this year, my personal challenge is around being thankful for the food I have to eat. I think many people forget that a living being has to die for you to eat meat. So my goal revolves around not letting myself forget that and being thankful for what I have. This year, I've basically become a vegetarian since the only meat I'm eating is from animals I've killed myself. So far, this has been a good experience. I'm eating a lot healthier foods and I've learned a lot about sustainable farming and sustainable raising of animals. I've started thinking about this last year when I had a pig roast at my house. A bunch of people told me that even though they loved eating pork, they really didn't want to think about the fact that that pig used to be alive. It just seemed irresponsible to me. I don't have an issue with anything people choose to eat, but I do think they should take responsibility and be thankful for what they eat rather than trying to ignore where it came from. Well, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg, you got a fan in me from, at least in that regard. Yeah, that that quote was, I mean, spot on in terms right? of thoughts and I think where, where we've stood and we talked about that exactly. Yeah, I mean, we so. don't need to get into it, but I just, yeah, interesting no, fact cool. for people that related to something we said. Um, what else is new? What else is new? Did I, have I ever mentioned to you that I've been doing intermittent fasting too? Yeah, I think we, we both do that. I, I'm at do the you point do where, that? yeah, I do, I you do don't, it naturally You don't eat now. breakfast, right? Right, until about 11. Right, so you're eating in like an eight-hour window? I try to. you go 16 hours without eating? Yeah, just about. It's like you'll eat, your window of eating will be from like noon, let's say, until 8 p.m. at night. And then that whole time you're sleeping up until 11 noon, to, the next yeah. day, you don't, yeah. 11 to 7 for me, but yeah, same thing. Have you always done this naturally or is it just? No, I wouldn't say naturally, but I am just not, t- I, the morning part is very easy for me. The later mm. part, it's a little bit more difficult, I would mm. say, because um, I mean, past 7, I might stay up till 11, let's say. And that's right. four hours uh, where you haven't eaten a ton and you could get hungry or bored or go mm. for a snack. But in the morning, I am a person that sleeps till the last minute of getting really? ready before work. Yeah, pretty you much. Really? I, I Even though it is early when you're getting up, you still sleep to the last moment. Yeah, it's, it's, I have an alarm at 6 a.m., and then a second alarm at 6.20. I don't do the snooze thing, but I just have Double two alarms whammy. to kind of sit and think or whatever. My personal meditation or interesting thoughts of the day for 20 minutes. Then I get up and then it's pretty much a go, go, go. Get into work. It's a go, <laughs> go, go. Um, I'll have a, a coffee or a green tea. But I'm not naturally hungry until like 10, 30, 11. On a, yeah. on a normal day. I'm not forcing that. So that becomes easy. And when something's easy, you find something that fits that lifestyle. Like, oh, intermittent fasting. I'm like, oh, I already pretty much do that. Yeah. So it's something that, you know, I, can I think there's a lot to be said, said for it. I've, I've just started doing it the last few months. Um, I and I mentioned so it right, I mentioned it right now just because like I'm on one. So forgive me if you hear my stomach growl. <laughs> It's also just, a lot of um, not to get not to get religious, but there's a lot of religions that I mean Judaism, for example, on, on Yom Kippur, there's a a day of fasting. You know, mm. uh, it's it's built into a lot of religions uh, where you're not eating um, a bunch. You know, Ramadan. Yeah. I think, you know, sun sunrise to sunset. Um, yeah. It just, you know, those, those sorts of things have been built in for a long time, probably out of good, like good measure and give your body a rest. There's tons of work that's, that's happening, it. right? I mean, There's, if people are asking like, why, why would you do that? I've found it like, mine's a bit different. So, I mean, you can do the traditional every day where you have your eight hour window, 
you know, and then for 16 hours of the day, you're not eating. Mine is once a week. I don't eat for 24 hours straight, which is a little bit different. And then like the other days of the week, I'll just eat when I'm hungry, but it's hard. So like today I'm just black coffee. That's it. Black coffee and water until that 24 hour cycle is passed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, honestly, I've found myself having a lot more lean muscle mass. It's teaching my, my body to, when it's in need of calories to dig into those fat reserves. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not constantly just burning sugar and glycol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my body's going and saying, okay, well we need some sort of energy. Let's go to those, those excess fat reserves. Cause that's what that's there for. So I'm finding myself having a lot more lean muscle mass. It sound, sounds counterproductive. Cause like, you know, I work out every day. I run and stuff like that. Um, and, and I, I had always been told like, oh, you got to eat calories. Calories are so important you know, protein all the time. Uh, if you skip a day of like eating, you're going anabolic and your body eats itself. And like, but it's, it's eating that excess that I don't necessarily want. And the other thing that's interesting too is I don't think we were meant to always be eating. We talk about, especially like with our brains, how we're still so primitive. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're that, I mean, how long have homo sapiens been in existence can't be that long in the grand scheme of earth and the universe. So, I mean, however long we've existed is a, it's a, a speck. So, I mean, we're not really that evolved from our cave days. Mm-hmm. And in those times we were, you know, you ate when the opportunity presented itself, you found a berry bush or you, there was a herd of deer in the forest. Like you ate then this day and age where we're constantly eating. It is so hard on your digestive system. Fact, and you can look this up, most of your body's caloric energy expenditure is spent metabolizing and digesting food. So the idea as well with like intermittent fasting is that a lot of that extra energy that your body is now not using to digest food can go to like your cognitive thinking or to repairing muscle damage or that ache in your back. You get more Mm -hmm. blood flow and more energy going there. We weren't meant to always be eating. It's good to give your body a rest, whether you do that 16, eight hour thing or like once a week, just a 24 hour, it's almost like a cleanse. Yeah. um, I think it makes complete sense to me. I remember watching a a Bear Grylls, like Survive in the Wild or whatever his show was a long time ago, but he was... He was trying to get he now he's running through the jungle all day swimming climbing mm-hmm. whatnot and he was like I I really need to tr-. and he was he ate a, bu- a little bug you know and he's like that's probably yep. fifty calories maybe this big slug uh, with protein and whatnot he's like I need to try to get to eleven hundred calories to maintain and I was like that's that's not a lot you know the the American diet's two thousand calories just a blanket statement for. Everyone that's based on what does the average American eat a day? 5,000? I I don't know. I don't know. You keep talking. I'll Google. Yeah. Um, But uh, that just hit me of like, oh, you don't need that much food. And he's working so hard and he's trying to get to 1,100 calories, you know? So uh, it becomes like a, I've found with any sort of, Call it a diet or just eating differently or healthy or whatever. But uh, I've gotten the comments of you know what I eat during the day, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm not perfect by any means in terms of diet and restrictions and what have you. I, I live my life for sure, uh, but when I get into a mode of doing it, I'm pretty regimented. And uh, people often will say like, "That's not enough food for you," and I'll say. It's it's plenty. Like I'm not yeah. starving. Like I'm yeah. I'm I'm not going to bed starving. Uh, and even a little bit of hunger, I don't think, is a horrible thing. Like we have that we're so comfortable that as soon as our belly is like makes a noise or mm-hmm. growls mm-hmm. a little, we're like, oh my god, I need to eat. And we throw yeah. in. Uh, we were sitting together in Vegas, and that's that happens to be a state in Nevada where they put the calories. I guess. On every, they do that everywhere in Canada. Everywhere on your menu, it shows the calories. Law, but even <clears throat> even healthy options in your mind. I'm using quote fingers. Healthy yeah. options were loaded calorically. Oh yeah, you, you know, and it was like, wow, this is really eye opening to how much the quantity of food uh, that you get and how many calories it is in one sitting. 
And people mm-hmm. think, like, I need three of these a day, plus maybe some snacks. We're talking 4,000, 3,000, 5,000 calories, depending on what we're doing, if we're not really conscious about those decisions. Yeah. yeah. It says, so on average, Americans eat 3,600 calories a day. I'm using Americans just because that's where most of our listeners are from. Mm-hmm. Americans eat on average over 3,600 calories a day. Uh, this is well above the U.S. Department of Agriculture's recommendations. The average amount of calories uh, an American needs per day is between 1,600 and 2,400 for females, and for men, it's between 2,000 and 3,000. So, interesting stuff. We're talking about this obviously because you know you and I talk about uh, living your healthiest life because you can't be your best self, and it obviously I'm I say this all the time. It starts at your health. Starts at stress level, starts at water, starts at sleep, starts at what you're putting in your body. It starts with who you're surrounding yourself with. Like you can't be your best self. We're going to get into some photography stuff, but just a good little uh, chat at the start here. Don't, and the other thing too you mentioned is like, don't just eat to eat. Like even if you're not fasting, eat when you're hungry. There's just this such, there's this, I don't, I don't know. I don't believe like this. You got to wake up and have a huge breakfast. I think that's outrageous. Like the very first thing you're going to do to start your day is to make your body expend a massive amount of energy, breaking all that down. Like how are you supposed to function throughout the rest of the day? It's no wonder people at 3, 8, 3 p.m., like their forehead's hitting their desk. <laughs> like, yeah. We've like, all been there with a, you, you have that big meal and then you're like, boom. your eyes start to fall. And yeah. your your body's probably like you go to sleep so we can take care of this. Yeah. You know, like don't don't For spend sure. energy anywhere else. Like we need to do all hands on deck. Yep. Um and obviously do your own research, read all this stuff. But I mean yeah. like your body spends most of its energy breaking down food. And if you can give it a break, you can reallocate some of that energy resources to other things that, that your body might need. Um moving on, how was your weekend? You're in weekend. New York City? I was in New York City. Um I left Saturday. I took the train in. What a what a great experience! I gotta say, uh, my best friend and I went in, um, and we contemplated driving or doing the train. The train adds a bit more of travel to the whole thing. But I will say, a round trip is thirty five dollars. You're not going to park for less in the city for thirty five dollars. Let alone the stress and the anxiety of driving in the city um so the train thing was great got us right into grand central station we're Mm -hmm. about uh a little less than a mile from the hotel that we're staying at so got there uh just bounced around to some amazing restaurants um some places were affordable some places were seven times what you think a drink would be you just never knew (laughs) Uh, so that was just a fun New York experience. And then we went to radio city music hall and saw, uh, goose, the band that, that nooch, uh, does photography for. Yeah. And you and I were talking that we're going to try and get Mike on. We haven't talked to him yet. Nooch 10, the guy we always reference who loves John Mayer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're going to get him on because his story with, in his connection with goose, the band pretty, you know, band that's grown quite a lot in the last year and Mike has managed to cleverly and creatively network his way into being their go-to photographer at concerts. Um, yeah, he is all a, within, it's, it's all within one year going from being just a fan to shooting their shows at Radio City Music Hall in, in New York City. So we need to have him on and, and have him kind of, I guess, share how he did that because there's going to be so many vital lessons and takeaways in that but what's sort of the synopsis without giving it all away i mean yeah, Michael he's know just, best but he's a he's a wildlife photographer that's on radio city musical stage you know last weekend yeah. shooting uh goose with trey anastasio from fish was a guest performer another one of his heroes uh and he's sitting there on stage taking those photos less than a year ago he you know got it was a an nut- idea got a no from management if he could take photos and he, you know, don't tell anyone, but he snuck his camera in uh, when COVID was happening and it was car concerts, like those drive-in concerts, brought his long lens in and took some great photos and kept pushing. He didn't take that no as a no. He took that no as like, man, there's still a way. Yeah, roadblock. Yeah. Yeah. There's still a way and I'm going to, I'm going to keep pursuing this and, um, you know, going after it and putting in a ton of effort for not, 
not a lot of money reward, but like the passion. And that's what we talk about. Like the, you got to work for free. Adam Carolla always says it. Uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta work. You gotta be an intern for a while. Prove yourself. You gotta work for free sometimes. Like this notion of you're just going to get paid right off the bat. And you got to earn your stripes. Like you got to earn your stripes. Yeah. There's a time and a place for free. For sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not a sign. Like getting paid for gigs, not a science. It's an art and a science. Like it's a bit of a dance. It's you got to have very good, like acuity and awareness. Again, back to self-awareness. Like you just got to kind of read the scenario and see what's called for and what's not, which is like so much easier said than done. But I mean, Mike had a plan. He's like, well, there's still a way to get to, you know, I didn't think he imagined shooting at, you know, Radio City, but there was a way to get to that point. And, you know, that's how we talk about there's so much more to being creative. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And he, there's some really cool stories along the way. So hopefully he does come on and he's not a, a grudge like a, a grumpy meh, guy, grumpy, grumpy, nooch. <laughs> meh, I don't do podcasts. Well, meh. we talked about him so much, and he was episode five. Yeah, now on he's got to come back. Like he's got to come back. And mm-hmm. now that we're all friends, it could make for an interesting episode because the guy works so hard. He can be a bit of a grouch sometimes, and real hard ass, and intense, and very type A. But if you can kind of work past that, Mike is a gold mine of of. Uh, What's the word? What would be a good word? Just a wealth of knowledge. He's a good, uh, and a good inspiration of how to like kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. in wildlife, like he'll sit there for seven hours. Like he's just so damn stubborn. I think that's the thing. I think stubborn. you got to get stubborn with what you want. Yeah, stubborn and just blindly driven. Yeah, like he had very much everything out of my way. This is happening. You can mm-hmm. make it easy for me or you can make it hard. It's going to happen, yeah. which is a great attitude to have. If you're yeah. just so stubborn yeah. with what you want God, and, his, it, and, and his poor and wife, he's like his poor wife. <laughs> if you're not stubborn though, like and if you're, you don't have that level of, I guess, desire, it's just not going to happen for you, which is great. Identify that early and move on to something that you are going to be stubborn about. Right. And it, it might happen for some and that's that lotto effect we talk about. And that's what we see in those stories. Like, Oh, just right off the bat, this person's discovered or famous or getting paid. Good point. But for the most of us, it's freaking hard work and you have to like, you have to love it. You have to be driven. You have to be willing to drive I mean, six, seven hours from Buffalo to New York city to shoot goose by the by the way, with no paycheck, like this. He is said a, he was getting paid. Sometimes, but not him. not not this not this one. This was an opportunity. Oh, this was an opportunity to to do it, and then it it escalated because of his skill and his level and his uh, perseverance. And here's uh, the thing, too, though Mike is a full time engineer, so even if he doesn't get paid for this, like he still gets to shoot his hero on stage at one of the best venues in the world. So there's that to consider yeah. as well. Like oh, when absolutely, you're, when you're talking about working for free. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and sometimes you got to like, again, you got to prove yourself. You got, it's in, he's in, right. If you're, if you're working for free, you're investing in yourself and saying one day down the road, if I do really well here, this won't be for free. Like other bands might see this other radio city might see that like things come of this Mm. investment in time. Like if I go, they're not paying me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to drive all the way down there. Well, guess who is Mike is, you know, like someone else is. I love that idea. There's always somebody working harder than you. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. And if you, if you want it, you have to have that attitude all the time. If if you're like me and like uh, shooting concerts is it's cool, but it's I don't know if it's for me at all. Um, if they're telling me to drive seven hours and shoot a concert for free, then I'm okay being lazy and being like, meh, I don't think so. Like, unless you have unless you're emotionally invested in the project, which right, Mike is, yeah, you know, like it, he shot his hero, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, it's, it's interesting what you brought up too, like that lotto effect for people who don't know, like, cause we're obviously friends with Mike and we text mm-hmm. and we know the behind the scenes stuff, but for people who don't know Mike and he just posts, you know, that he's at Radio City with this big band and like people are like, oh my God, that's incredible. Like I could never do that. That's amazing. And 
he hit it big, but they don't know the year of, uh, you know, maneuvering and trying to figure out how to make that come to fruition. You don't oh see God. that on social media. Never. And this is, this is an obvious fact that you see people's highlights. But even though it's obvious and it's a simple concept, we still forget it. Like I catch myself at times being like, oh, like that's amazing. I wish I could do that. That little tiny bit of envy. But like, I like to think that I'm in a mindful enough state where I catch myself quickly and I'm like, oh, well, that person probably earned their stripes. They probably worked hard to get that. It probably wasn't easy. That or this person is making this more grandiose than it actually is, which is sometimes the case. Um, mm-hmm. But it just, it, it goes to also that, that, that life, that, that battle between Instagram reality, posting your highlights and what actually is. I mean, like we had Slater Moore on, remember when he said, he's like, I'm mentioning followers here because that seems to be an optical valuer of success online. 265,000 verified, you know, looks like he's just having a time and he said he almost quit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think so how, but so how do, how do we get people who are maybe struggling to like have that trigger go off in their mind where they say, hold on, I'm getting envious. It's affecting my, you know, my state of mind right now. How do we stop that and have people go, oh, like this person probably had their own pile of stuff that they had to do to get here. They're dealing with their own things and like their life's not better than mine. It's different than mine, but it's not better. There's, we, a lot of people who aren't practicing mindfulness miss that step. And that's when their phone and social media becomes really harmful. Yeah, and I, it's important to, to recognize your own life as important and meaningful in a way where you might not even see it. For example, New York City has always been an hour and a half away from me. Uh, my parents took me there all the time as a kid. Um, I've seen like, God, 16 Broadway plays. Freaking. I'm so sorry. <gasps> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not. I mean, some are, some are great. And, but still just like, first of all, I'm six, five and those small theaters, like I do not fit in one of them. Uh, I would hate to be the guy behind you. Oh my God. I, I hate being the guy that knows that the guy <laughs> behind me is hating me. Like I hate all of it. I hate all of it. <laughs> and then there's the intermission and it's like, just keep singing and let's get this over with. Like, let's go. No breaks. Stop. Jeez. Uh, uh, um, you know how like in, intermission or whatever when they're about to start again they, yeah. they turn the light on and off and they flicker yeah when you're there you just reach up and you unscrew and screw in the light bulb repeatedly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just cover it with my hand <laughs> drop it and then yeah uh no i yeah listen i did not i did not love that but uh new york city is right there i go to the city for the a quick weekend not even sightseeing and there's every turn there's something you know i st patrick's church photo um there's just a, a cool crosswalk, street photography, like whatever. Like just just enjoying the city, throwing up a few posts. I can't tell you how many DMs I got from my Instagram stories that are like, oh, dream of mine to be there. Like, oh, Radio City. Like just like so many people going nuts because you forget that New York's like the epicenter of the world. Like people from all over the world are vacationing there and wanting to be there and wanting to mm-hmm. see that place. And it's something that's, meh, it's an hour away and kind of a hassle to get to and really crowded. And, and people are a little bit cranky. Like that's, that's the attitude. It's like that's the of New York that, city. <laughs> that's the frame. I will say, let me have an aside here that, uh, every restaurant and place that we went to, it was a good amount of busy. It was not crazy. And everyone that was working, bartenders, wait staff, was, were so friendly. And I said to John, my best friend, I'm like, this has been a wonderful New York experience. Because I mm. that is part of the thing where there's this vibe of it's noisy, it's loud, the city's loud. There's, it's overstimulation. And I feel like if you're in that environment for so long, concrete jungle with like... Just even a horn echoes on the buildings. It's the loudest thing ever. So 
I think people get just spent, burnt. And now they're yeah. dealing with customers <clears throat> that are spent and burnt. And you get this sort of negative cycle of just attitude. And like, yeah. I don't have time for this. Like, make your decision, you know? And that can just make the experience pretty bad. Uh, but we did not have that. So people were very great. Um, so back to my point is our lives around us can be special to lots of people. We just have to uh, acknowledge that gratitude again, like looking around for the positives and not getting caught up in, Oh, that person's in Wyoming or Yellowstone again. Um, like, Oh, I wish I was there. I'm a, yeah, that everyone lives somewhere, you know, and mm-hmm. we all have these moments of vacations. Like we were out west, and we could, yeah, we could post Red Rock, like you know, the Red Canyons and Zion and this, that, and everyone's like, oh, wow, it's so beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. That was like our week to shine with like cool landscapes and and moments and this and that. Then you come back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just see on Instagram like this constant cycle of everyone in their highlights. Yeah. And I think the other important thing to remember too, I've had this thought recently, let's use the Utah example um, where you and I are posting stories of red rocks and, you know, bighorn sheep and stuff like that. We're posting that because it's surreal to us as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, people from New York city don't, people who live there don't walk down the street with their phone out storing everything all day. Cause it's not surreal to them. So I think it's important to remember, like when you're staring at a story or a post and you're like, Oh my God. Wow. Like I'm so envious that person. It was that f- not envious cause they're there, but for them too, it was not normal also. Yeah. The, the want to share. Right. Yeah. For if sure. it was just, if it was just, you know, this was my life, like almost in a pretentious way, this is my life. Like I wouldn't be, sh- you wouldn't be sharing it. Yeah. Uh, I will say the amount of selfies and phones that are out in New York city is, is like astonishing. <laughs> it's, it's kind of eye opening. I haven't been <clears throat> into the city in a little while and it's just, man, like we, there's a, there's a toxic trait going on within our country with like the selfies and the, the need to show just your best side. You know, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to get into it. Well, we all know, know. We all know <laughs> sharing anything is the need either to, you know, if you're sharing a, an inanimate object, like a building or something, you're saying, look at where I am. You know, you're saying every time you share something online, okay, it doesn't matter how, whether your ego is totally inflated or whether it's totally in check. You're saying, look at me. Mm-hmm. Look Absolutely. at me. You are. And that's okay. I saw a funny, funny quote. Is like the person that looks at your stories the most is you. Yes, stop it. (laughs) Like you're looking at your own. You know, you're the one who edited it. You're the one who filmed it. You saw with your own eyes. You're checking how many views it has. Who Mm -hmm. looked at it? Like no one has looked at your story, your post more than you. (laughs) Like you are your own biggest fan. Yeah, and we've said that before. Like you should be your own biggest fan. When I say that, I mean like you should be like believing in yourself the most. But like. It's it's just so interesting. It's always when you post, it's, it's important to remember it to look at me. Otherwise, you would never post. You would never share. Yeah, and even to, even to the like smallest details that we might not think <clears throat> about were we, we went for a hike in Zion, Emerald Pools. It was Disneyland. It was a zoo, <laughs> right? Yeah. I can, I still have a photo that's just the waterfall because yeah, I was Did in- you share Disneyland? Did you share all those screaming kids on that hike? No. Because it's not visually appealing to other people. And I don't like this either. Right. So real to Instagram, like, yes, my photo was real, but the lens only shoots what's in front of it. Not to my side, not the screaming kid that hit me in the back of the leg with a stick. Like not any of the other stuff that's going on is part of that image. So even to the point where you can so easily Photoshop people out, Photoshop that sign out. Oh, oh, that leaf is out of place. Like we can go so out of control with augmenting reality to have a pleasing image. I wonder what service that does to the viewer, to the world. Um, yeah, because then they d- get to Emerald Pools and it's like, 
Fucking that Aaron sucks. and Seth. They made it look great. Yeah. That was a <laughs> waste sucks. of a hike. It sucks. <laughs> no, even you can bring this down to um, like a Photoshopped portrait of like... <laughs> Where women pores with, are non-existent. With, yeah, women don't have pores anymore, and God forbid a blemish shows up. And it, just this uh, expectation that starts to creep in on what women or people or national parks or landscape should should look like. And then when you're you're underwhelmed in the presence of reality, and that's a that's a sad thing. Because we're going to want to go towards the addiction, the sugar drip. We're going to want to go towards social media and looking at these pictures and yeah. showing how beautiful <clears throat> we are, removing all my pores, uh, putting myself on there. Um, Seth does this funny thing. like He runs into these, um, these filters, these beauty filters, and he'll send me... <laughs> he'll send me uh, screenshots of himself using them. And I'm like, yes. I have to explain. <laughs> Please. Whenever whenever you can see it when people post filters, right? It shows like or when they post a story and if there's a filter, it shows the uh the name of the filter, right? And uh I'll click them out. I'll click them and there's a try me section just cuz like, hey, I'm interested to see how like much this manipulates my face. Like, what is this person? How much has this person manipulated their their selfie? Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see. So I'll take it and I'll go, holy shit. Like, it looks like a totally different person. And then I'll send it to Aaron. And some of them are so outrageous. Maybe I should make a highlight on the TPM page of like, <laughs> of <laughs> outrageous should. filters people are using to hide their real face or their real self, which <sighs> is crazy. And more people, Aaron, who listen, signed up for Be Real, the app I told you oh, about. Yeah. Oh, be, cool, real. Cool. be real, be real, yeah, yeah. I bet they don't. And have everyone's filters. like the best is it, it takes a photo of what's in front of you. I told you this, and your face, mm-hmm. and like no one looks good. <laughs> 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 Nobody looks good, and it's awesome because they're like the uptight face ones. It's like when you first open your phone and you get you look like a human potato. Mm-hmm. That's what most people look like, and it's like that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's kind of great. It's almost like a pressure release valve from the expected perfectedness of Instagram. That's how I've been finding. I'm like, oh man, especially as a photographer. Like yesterday, my B reel was a photo of me, like my dog's bowl with food in it. And it's just like me hovering over top of it. I look (laughs) horrible, but it's like, it's such a nice release because. I there's like I maybe this pressure is put on myself and and when you grow your audience and people come to expect a level of like quality there's a pressure at least I put on myself to perform like like you're saying like mm-hmm. this image has to look great for my own sanity and like if I have any intention of maintaining an audience size which will lead to like potential brand deals or like which mm-hmm. potentially leads to money which leads to living the life you want to live so like that's kind of the sequence in my brain but there's a nice little with this app where I can just be like huh you know here's a sidewalk and here's my ugly mugshot <laughs> yeah and it's a lot of fun so again be real people if you want to check it out prompts your phone once a day you have two minute window if you're on your phone i don't advocate for waiting around your phone for be real but like you can post late but if you happen to be on your phone and it says post now you have two minutes to showcase what you're doing in an effort to be real so no filters yeah, none of that it's interesting and it's a it's a way to to get it back i don't know i i, I think it's i've worked in the schools i've i'm I've lived some life. I'm older. Um, there's been a definite change. There's a definite change in how we're all reacting. There's also a huge increase if you look at the charts in uh, teenage anxiety and depression, especially amongst females. And it starts spiking in 2008. And I think Ooh. 2007 was the first iPhone. Facebook, too. Yeah, and first iPhone where you had a computer and internet <clears throat> on your person pretty much at all times. Yeah, so I mean, fifth graders starts. weren't walking around with, I'm generalizing, but fifth graders 20 years ago weren't walking around with astounding number of cases of anxiety. 
no, it's it's different now. It's it it's is endemic. Different. Yeah, even in my small bubble of a school and working for fifteen years, uh, it's very different. And there's a there's a constant need to be curating your life on TikTok, Instagram, Visco, like all the things. Where I you're honestly don't think pictures. my future child will have social media. Yeah, they damn or well internet. shouldn't. Uh, yeah. Like I'm, what happens is your boy comes to the age of like, you know, prepubescence and, you know, mm-hmm. trying to sort of figure himself out and all of his friends have phones and social media. Like what's, I'm sure you've thought about this. Yep. I have, um, I go to the, the why, why does a kid need a phone? What's the fear? They need to be able to contact but dad, you. All my friends have it. Why can't I have one? That's that's not a that's not a reason for the why of why a kid would need a phone. The reason is to contact their parents, to get a phone call, even to call nine one one, like whatever. That would to me that's the reason to have access to your parents. There's flip phones. There's phones without internet. There's oh by the way, everyone in the world has a phone. If you needed to call me, like memorize a phone number, like we used to back in the day. Like, do you ever have fear though that if like, I guess my thought is, how do you not be an overbearing parent? I'm not a parent, right? So mm-hmm. forgive me here. How do you not be an overbearing parent where like you're so restrictive and you don't do this and you don't do that and I make all the rules and mm-hmm. you know, let's say there things are becoming more digital with mm-hmm. metaverse and all this stuff, and it's obviously easy for kids to get lost and kids should not navigate that space on their own. But at the same time, what happens if their social group is there like how do you allow your son let's as we'll use this as an example to maintain like a social life and and relevance in school with friends and stuff like that if his if he's totally restricted he again that's a fear or keeping up with the joneses there's a handful of kids that don't have cell phones through eighth grade that i know and god do I love them and their personalities yeah. and they're able and like, to yeah, expand on yeah, that. What's the, what, do, what do you find the difference between those kids? Cause you have firsthand insight into the next generation. Cause you see them every day when you, when you teach them and counsel them, what's the difference between kids who have phones in eighth grade and kids who don't? Well, let's go back to sixth grade. I, I teach sure. a class and I did a, uh, a form. So a survey essentially on Google, on the Googles, um, and it was God, pretty you much, love your forms. It was pretty much just asking the questions. Who has a phone? Who has social media? Who doesn't? And then correlating it to who's ever felt anxiety? Who's ever felt depression? And there's definitely a correlation, even within that small sample size. So that's number one. How many one. kids? 135. That's a good sample size. Yeah. I think anything over 100 has a valid correlation, mm-hmm. either positive mm-hmm. or negative. So... The few eighth graders that I know that don't have phones or that do have phones but aren't on social media, um, by the way, anyone under the age of 13 should not be on social media, the Child Online Protection Act. Um, oh, yeah, that's a whole other... Yeah, so we don't have to go there. Uh, but um, anyone that's older and doesn't has this way of, I feel like, socializing differently. Um, I have... I have a lot of connections with kids that come into my office and they can't help but pulling their phone out of their bag and checking things like while you're talking uh, to them. Yeah. Like, like, like a habit. Uh, You can go to bus duty and everyone is in our gymnasium waiting for buses and everyone's sitting in their little clicks. No one's conversing. They're all on their phones. They're sitting in a circle with humans, but staring at their phones. And showing each other things. So there is this change. This is just, it's a change that's happening where these companies absolutely know it's a company. It's an addiction. And again, if you're not paying for it, you're the product. Like they want you on the thing and it's working. And especially with kids and their malleable minds. I think to answer your question with my son per se, uh, how do you make that so, oh, all my friends have it and I don't have it and blah, blah, blah. You, You make it you educate and make it cool to not have it. You explain why we're not doing it a lot, and but do you, so do you have to do you have to essentially say not necessarily like this, but that those kids using phones are uncool? Like to like, how do you tell a six year or a, how do you tell a future Mantis Junior mm-hmm. that 
it's cool to not be part of a clique. Yeah. You just, I think you just kind of explain like, what are you, what are you really missing? What's going on? Like what, what let's, let's talk it out. Let's really talk it out. Not, it's not just a no, like, no, I'm, you listen to me <clears throat> as I go on to Instagram and post, you listen to me. Um, but you kind of explain explain it out to them, you know, like, what are we really missing? What are, what are we looking for in this? What do we need to have? Mm. Um, you can, Oh, you want to see what your friend's doing? You can, my best friend and I, he doesn't have a strong Instagram presence. Like we text each other. They'll shoot me a picture. It's kind of like be real, but just between texting. Like so you'd be yeah. fine with him texting. Uh, sh- sure. Sure. Um, I don't think this scrolling on social media is healthy and especially the way things are going. Like we just said, what's real, what's he's, you're going to be, you're going to be perpetually disappointed with what girls look like. If everyone on social media and that's all you see are people in filters and, and whatnot, like you're always going to, your expectations of a landscape or of a national park are always going to be like, Oh, this isn't as good as I thought. Oh, this isn't as where's exciting the saturation f- slider. Yeah, where's the saturation <laughs> slider? Where's the clarity? I got to get rid of some of these. Uh, you probably get to a point where you're wearing those like glasses or goggles where you just like go whoop, and it makes yeah. the scene in front of you look better. <laughs> yeah, like I think here's people the thing are gonna, though. I think also like you, and I mean this like with this is praise to you. I don't think you've raised your son traditionally, from what you've told me. Like the fact that your son can sit. And while you shoot and be quiet and like observe nature is wild. I see, I was at the, where was I? It's like the airport. I was somewhere else. And it's like, there's kids running around screaming their heads off, you know, Mm -hmm. just like hyenas. And the parent thing to do is, well, that's what kids do. You know what I mean? But it seems like, I think you have these, I think you have PG rated discussions like we do each week with your son. You know, mm-hmm. I think you're teaching mindfulness and awareness at a very young age. And I think that's, you know, something I plan to do in the future. And I think that's something all parents should should be striving to do. But you have to be there yourself. Yeah, you have to be there and you have to like, I think you have to start planting seeds in life early. Like the importance of going for a walk, you know, when we come home from school and not just getting on TV. You yeah. know, we go for a mile to two mile walk, depending on the day. Um, either go for a hike, go rock climbing. There is screen time, sure. Like he can watch his shows that he likes. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's talking anytime we're for a walk. I sound like I'm not trying to sound like, oh, I'm the best parent in the world. I don't know. But it's just it's what we do. And I think it's important is we went on a hike the other day. It was a two mile hike in the woods. It was, it was beautiful. It was a little buggy. He starts complaining. He's, he can get into the complaining thing, especially early in the hike. It's very interesting. First quarter mile, most complaints. Last quarter mile, completely happy and calm. Interesting. Like he has to get out of society for a minute. That transition out of society is painful. But then when he's in it, it's good. And I had this moment with him where like, hey, a lot of complaints. We've done a two-mile hike. That's far for a six-and-a-half-year-old, maybe. But you can do it. For a lot of people, like yeah, well, he, well, he can do it. Like we, we've done further. We, we've taken our time. We weren't like cruising. It's Connecticut. It's pretty flat. Like we weren't going nuts. Um, and we're we're going to go to like a, a restaurant where we're going to be served food and and then go home to our comfortable house. So just having those moments of like, hey, I, I get it. We're tired. But what are some amazing things about this hike? And switching that mindset. Right. It's very easy to just be like, this sucks. It's buggy. I'm hot. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Like, go down all those negative things. But he was able to flip his mindset and be like, oh, um, like those ferns are, that's what he said. Like, these ferns are awesome. It looks like a dinosaur park. Great. Cool. Now we're, now we're, now we're cooking. Uh, I like, I do like walking with you, dad. Oh, wow. My heart's going to explode, but thank you. Um, you know, like ch- just changing that mindset. And I feel like if you do that a lot with your kids and and rein in that sort of, yeah, we have complaints and those things can be true, but what else is great about this situation? I think parents m- sometimes make the mistake of, I need to soothe the complaint immediately. Like with, 
you're you're right. bored. Here's like, TV. Oh, or let's turn back. Yeah. 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 But then you validate that that complaint was was legit. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the interesting thing is, this isn't just necessarily a lesson about parenting, but we talk about all the time how like kids' brains are so plasticized and malleable that complex things that are complex, like battling through complaints and finding gratitude, is it's a complex process for adults. Mm-hmm. But for kids, it's so simplified because mm-hmm. the story you just told, he was able to just literally think okay what is good just mm-hmm. like that no problem and then identify the task and find those things that he liked and it's so simplified mm-hmm. because there's not a lot of clutter and there's not a lot of experiences you've had at that stage in life that would uh make that thought process super intricate mm-hmm. and complex so i mean that's why it's good to you know at least when you share these stories with your son, it's a good lesson of how to simplify some of these complex thoughts that we have and how to, you know, kind of make do those exercises on ourselves mm-hmm. as adults. Yeah. And gratitude sometimes is the, is the long way or not the obvious way when you're struggling with something. Uh, and I think as kids, you learn these techniques. What what works to get what I want? Is it, you know, throwing a tantrum? Does that work? Does that get me the toy that I want at the store? Uh, or does staying calm and like, you know, having a discussion get me the toy that I want at the store? Which one? Like, Which one works better for what parent that's out there? Some parents, you know, immediately, uh, oh, tantrum, like, I need this to stop. I'm embarrassed. This is a bad look for me. Here's the toy. Fine. Mm. And then that's reinforcing that sort of, oh, I'm, if I'm negative and I flip out, I get what I want. Yeah. And we see that in adults sometimes. Well, especially if you've learned it from a young age is what I'm getting at full point, Mm -hmm. full, you know, like what I'm coming to. Yeah. Um, Like if you learn what your son's learning from a young age, that'll just be normal growing up. And I think we need more of that as we move into the future and as we have all these problems that we need to solve. And it's like, I was at the grocery store the other day and this is my opinion of whether people can self-govern themselves. Okay. This is the test of whether people are able to live their, (laughs) this is a big generalization, but they're able to self-govern. Okay. Mm -hmm. If they can return the shopping cart to the cart corral at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. If you cannot do that, you cannot run your own life. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, that is the test. If you can return the shopping cart, you are more than capable of fending for yourself and completing tasks and not being lazy. I'm sorry if you're listening and you don't return shopping carts. Start returning the damn things. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> who, who is? Who's supposed to? Right. I don't know. Oh, it's somebody yeah. else's problem. But I say this because like I th- how I got to this was like I think of all these problems we have like climate change and you know just we can trying to figure out a pandemic and all this stuff. We can't even return shopping carts. Okay, and all it takes is for one person to leave it in the middle of the the parking lot yeah. for it to cause a traffic jam. Even though 98% of people return shopping carts, those 2% that don't Make it a real pain in the ass for it everyone else. Slowly drifting. It drifts. And people are like, well, fuck it. Everyone else is leaving carts. I don't care either. And that's where we're at. That is where we're at as a society. So my point being with like this new generation, if we can like sculpt and, and teach uh, the next generation to have these kinds of thoughts and these kinds of uh, mental complexities that are positive and good, we can actually maybe solve some of the problems that are going to be detrimental to our existence. So, and it starts with ourselves. Like you can't teach something you don't know and something you don't practice every day. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to sound like a boomer all the time, but uh, I've said it before. There, there is, I feel like there is hope for the younger generation with the access to words like gratitude and meditation and self-improvement and self-love and self-worth and uh, compassion and empathy and, and seeing stories of successes and um, all, all the things that are that are available that weren't available pre 
internet and social media. So mm-hmm. you you guys, you youngins, uh, you have the opportunity to at least have some sort of conscious awareness of this stuff being a thing. Whether you jump in fully, um, that's up to you. It's kind of like uh, you know understanding the you know um, some sort of food. Uh, trans fats are really bad for you. Okay, now I know. Now I can you know what what do I have to do to avoid that? Just as a simple example, if you don't know, you don't know. You don't know. It's not. It's not part of your filter. It's not part of the. We you know what you're looking for. So, I think you do have that going for you, uh, kids of today. You know where this stuff can come up, and for a certain amount of you, you either have to actively ignore it. You have to ignore the the podcast story about the shopping carts and next time you're there and you feel like leaving it you're return you might, the damn things you might have that little voice in your head that's like oh i'm, a, I'm being a shit bag by not doing this like i'm gonna go do it it'll take me 30 seconds and that is the easiest <laughs> thing in the world to do you know what is interesting though that i'll say is like <clears throat> it would be you have the luxury of you kind of grew up you were young enough as technology mm-hmm. was rapidly accelerating with social media and online digital presence and stuff. You were part of that. Mm-hmm. And so I think you have a better ability to help coach, for example, your son. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone who is, let's say, 10, 15 years older than you mm-hmm. with younger kids have no idea because they missed that sort of window. Yeah. And, like, and vice not, versa. And, and the younger generation to, that grew yeah. up with it and that just doesn't doesn't understand that there might be something to like take I'm I'm taking a selfie in front of the Empire State Building in New York. And I'm taking literally three hundred pictures until I mm-hmm. get the perfect one. Mm-hmm. They might not realize that there there might be something in that that's unhealthy. Right. You know, because it's just how they grew up and how everyone else does it and how everything else goes around them. And if they don't have the perfect photo, someone else will or someone might make fun of them or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, But there is this omniscience, I think is what you're saying of like. Good word. We need a word of the day button that I can click. I'm going to make a word of the day button. Sound. Omniscience. (laughs) Um. We'll give it awards for word of the day each time. I love it. Where I literally didn't have Facebook till I was 27. Like I, I yeah. lived through college, through high school, through middle school, through lots of after college without any of that. And that's interesting because like my first stuff. Facebook profile was in 2007 and mm-hmm. I would have been in seventh grade. Seventh, eighth grade yeah, when I 20, was 27. on Facebook. Yep. Yeah. So it's interesting. So, it's just an interesting... Like when we, the ages we were when we both got our first mm-hmm. Facebook is interesting. Yeah. And so I can now and then move forward mm-hmm. 13 years. I can see what the last 13 years was and my first 27 years was. And I can see where kids are now, where kids were with me and right. I work in a school or I can see where the kids since, since that, since I had Facebook, where it's gone to. And who right. it's affecting the most. But, and so here's the interesting thing though. Like even though you were, let's say you were 27 when you had your first Facebook profile mm-hmm. and I was a lot lo- younger than you, like we're different generations, mm-hmm. but we're both here having the same thoughts and the same mm-hmm. discussion and the same opinions. I mean, there is hope. Oh yeah. There is like, there is a way for everyone to come to a mutual understanding of what's healthy and what's not in the digital realm. For sure. Absolutely. Regardless yeah. of age, regardless of location. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not totally diverse. We're two white guys living in the Western hemisphere, but um, it's still an interesting mm-hmm. thought that we're both here having these same thoughts. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing is what I just wanted to say is like you, whether you're a parent or not, like you, there's always opportunities to influence younger minds in the right way. Like Haley's niece is like four and, uh, I try to make an effort when I'm, when she's visiting or I'm visiting her to like show her animals on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, here's social media. Like, I know you're probably going to be exposed to this at some point. Mm-hmm. And here's like, 
it's crazy. Like young people can navigate iPads and stuff. Like it's insane. She was navigating YouTube at like three. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I like to make a habit of like, here's a phone that can, which can be really harmful, but look at all these. And we use it as like an animal education period. It's like, mm-hmm. I was funny. I, I brought up Dave Sanford's profile just cause like what better gallery of diverse animals and like scrolling through them. Like, Oh, do you know what this is? And like, what it's called and what it does and where it lives. And like, she knows so much about animals now, which is so awesome to see in like a half hour, probably total period. Mm -hmm. So there are ways to just like influence younger minds and use a potentially harmful device to show that there's good that can come from it and how it can be an educational tool. Like I'm sure she already knows that in her young brain, but it's just uh, the point is that you can influence young minds with something as simple as that is I guess what I'm getting at. Now when yeah. I come over, she'd be like, oh, like Seth, um, boy deers are called bucks and they have antlers. And I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. You're like, duh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know that. I know that. And the girl deers are called does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so I, funny. I, I do agree. I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not being a boomer. It's a fantastic tool. It's amazing. Yeah. You, you get yeah. to see and connect with so many people. And that's Very why good. we're that's why we're here right now because of it. Yeah. We never would have met. No. You know, so it it is amazing. I think it's just it's with anything in moderation or understanding what you're doing, what you're ingesting. We've said it before, diet is everything that you take in. So understanding what you're starting digesting, from the beginning of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Is is an important thing. Is an important thing to understand the whys between and be, uh, behind everything that you're doing mm-hmm. online for your life, um, for your diet, for your career. Understanding those whys and and what. Yeah, there's a there's a difference between wants and needs, you know, and like yeah, what do we want versus what need is this fulfilling? And I think keying into that is very enlightening. Yeah. And I mean, there's a difference between what you're ingesting and what you're digesting as well. Like right. sometimes you, you can't choose what gets put in front of your eyes. That would be the ingestion stage, but you have the decision of what you want to digest and how you want to go about that. And you know, my favorite way to think about it is like all the stuff that I like to treat myself as a car. Mm-hmm. Right. My dad taught me this, like when I was probably seven and I've, I'll never forget it. It's like, treat yourself as a car and everything you're taking in, whether it's like food or whatever, that's fuel. Mm-hmm. And you want to put, you know, when you go to the gas pump, you want yep. prior and putting this in your car now. <laughs> Supreme, the high octane, you want that. Like, yeah. is this Supreme fuel? Right. Or am I putting like sugar into my car? Yeah. Metaphorically yep. and literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yep. know, because one's going to make your car and your brain and your mind and your life run really well. And mm-hmm. the other's going to make you go like break down need to go into the shop, repair, constantly crap out. Mm-hmm. So what's it going to be? Everything you ingest, is it shit or is it high octane? It's a great question. Great question, people. So with people. that, and when this comes out this Friday, Aaron, I'll mm-hmm. be another year older. You will? Yep, I'm turning 16. You're catching me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How old are you turning? I'm turning 28. All right. Now that's getting serious. It's Why? like, I don't know. 27 is like, meh. so 28 is like. I said that at 19 too. And I'm like, oh, I'm 20 now. I'm just getting pretty serious. <laughs> getting pretty serious. When I'm 30, that's when stuff's real. Yeah. But like, yeah. So 28 is <laughs> close to that landmark. Yeah. It's closer. 27 is like, you still, you're in your 20s for a while. Well, like stuff's like getting interesting too, because like I have friends who are starting to lose hair and like friends who are starting to get like those gray wisps and I'm like, mm. yep. life, time comes for all. Yeah. <laughs> you're aging. You know, I feel lean, very active, yeah. running, exercising. I feel very alert, coherent. Good. Um, and and I, I, I chalk it up to, you know, these discussions and practicing mindfulness every day uh you know photography is a career and passion that i love Mm -hmm. um surrounded by a ton of awesome loving and supportive friends and family and got an awesome puppy awesome girlfriend so like i think that mindfulness and gratitude and all that stuff goes so much further and it goes to it, it has physical effects like i feel the healthiest i've ever been in my life and i hope to say that at 40 
Yeah. I mean, look at, look at me across the way here. Yeah. Like absolutely. I'm living in your shadow. This is what you could (laughs) dream of. These are the things still full head of hair. This chassis, it's oil. Well oiled machine. High octane. Ready to go. High octane. I love it. Until next time. (laughs) Take care.